What's Up Whittier? Welcome to What's Up Whittier, a homegrown podcast. A podcast to showcase Whittier's businesses, personalities, and hidden treasures. Hey guys, producer Christine here with this week's community corkboard announcements. I just want to give a special shout out again to Rose over at the collab. Thank you so much for letting us hang out here. The collab is opening this Friday, March 16th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. The collab is your place for co-working, community, and collaboration in an environment where you can come create and cultivate. We are located in the heart of Uptown Whittier, where we can provide you all the services of an office without the confines of a long-term lease and the high cost of top technology. Fast internet? We got it. A place that sit comfortably and work? We got that too. A professional location for a meeting with a client or an event? You better believe it's here. So pull up a chair. We've saved you a seat. Again, the collab is located at 6709 Greenleaf Avenue. Now onto our community court board announcements. Every Friday from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., we have the Farmer's Market located at the corner of Philadelphia and Bright. Tonight, you guys, tonight, March 14th from 5 to 9 at various shops and boutiques is the Art Stroll. So come on out through Uptown Whittier and you'll be able to experience a lot of great artists and see their art and support them too. There will be a special art and boutique event at the Whittier Brewing Co. at the corner of Philadelphia and Greenleaf. Drop on by the collab Saturday, March 17th from 12 to 3 for a twig and vine florals pop-up located at 6709 Greenleaf Avenue. If you have not had the opportunity to listen to our twig and vine florals episode, be sure to check it out. Monica is a wonderful woman, so I hope you guys make it out there to her pop-up Saturday at the collab and meet her and tell her how great her flowers look. Because let me tell you, we have a little bouquet here in the What's Up Woodier Collab Studios and it's absolutely beautiful. So check it out. Alright guys, this next event is actually very important to me. Um, you know, I've been helping this woman for the last two weeks and she's really great. Uh, her name is Aileen. She's 84 years old. She's lived in Whittier since 1944, since she was 10 years old. So for the last 74 years, she's been living in this town, working in this town, and she's homeless. And I know a lot of you out there are very empathetic and compassionate people. And, you know, you know some of the people around here. You know the other homeless people that reside in Uptown, in East Whittier, in South Whittier, West Whittier. doesn't matter. It's Whittier. The City of Whittier was recently awarded a grant by the Home for Good Funders Collaborative in partnership with the Los Angeles County Homeless Initiative to develop a homeless plan for the city. Three community meetings will be held in March to survey the community to assist with the development of this plan. Each meeting will have the same format. I don't think it's completely necessary to attend every single meeting if they will be the same format. However, if you're interested in learning about what different people in our town have to say, I think you should go to all three meetings. So the first will be Saturday, March 17th at First Christian Church, located at 6355 Greenleaf Avenue from 10 a.m. to noon. The next meeting will take place Tuesday, March 20th at the Community Center, again from 10 a.m. to noon. And the last meeting will take place Thursday, March 22nd at the Community Center, located at 7630 Washington Avenue, from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. And guys, it's all fine and dandy if you're concerned about the people in our town and you want to go. But I think a really important part of this is to bring homeless is to bring the homeless people. Um, and I hate and I hate saying I hate lumping everybody in together, but 
you know, every time you see a transient person, they're, they're a person, you know, it's important to know who these people are. I'm very fortunate enough to be surrounded by very compassionate people who not only have taught me to help others, but to uplift them as well. So guys, this is a serious thing that we can do for our community. If you can bring people with you so they can voice their concerns as actual people who are living on our streets, that would be great. That would be the best thing you can do for this town. We're all in it together. We should all help each other. That's what I think. Did you know that we have an annual Whittier Mayor's Prayer Breakfast? I definitely did not know that, so I'm going to share it with you guys. The 52nd Annual Winter Mayor's Prayer Breakfast will take place on Good Friday, March 30th from 6.30 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. Barry Corey will be the guest speaker. The event will be held at the Double Tree by Hilton Whittier at 7320 Greenleaf Avenue. There is a cost for admission, so I will definitely put that link in the description. Alright townies, mark your calendars for Saturday, April 7th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Visit the 23rd Annual Art and Antique Spring Street Fair. Enjoy a stroll through the tree-lined streets in historic Uptown Whittier while you visit with over 100 eclectic vendors featuring work from local artists and artisan crafters together with the traditional antique and vintage collectible dealers. You are sure to find something wonderful for yourself, your home, or a gift for someone you care about. Shop early for a unique Mother's Day gift. There will be live entertainment throughout the day. Admission is free to the public and shoppers can expect to find one-of-a-kind originals from participating artists and artisans, including paintings, photography, ceramics, wind chimes, stuffed creations, toys, sculptures, woodcraft, hats, soaps, knitted items, dolls, and more. Antique and vintage collectible dealers will be offering glassware, primitives, china, linens, dolls, clocks, quilts, rugs, antique jewelry, vintage toys, and much more. Vendors, advertisers, and food vendors are invited to participate in this outdoor event that attracts an anticipated 5,000 visitors. Spaces regularly sell out, so apply early for best location. Applications will be available online at www.whittieruptown.org. For more information, contact the Whittier Uptown Association at info at whittieruptown.org or 562-696-2662. Saturday, April 14th, join the Whittier Museum and Historical Society for their annual Whittier Museum Tea and Fashion Show. It will take place from 11.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. This year's tea, Fashion to a Tea, showcases some of our favorite vintage and antique bathing suits and intimate apparel from the museum's textiles collection to benefit programs, exhibits, and continued restoration and preservation for the Whittier Museum. A full lunch will be served, including tea sandwiches, some will be vegetarian, scones, fruit, dessert, black and herbal tea, and lemonade. Support the museum by purchasing a ticket or becoming a sponsor today. The fees are $40 for Whittier Museum and Whittier Historical Society members and $50 for non-members. Purchase tickets online or by calling 562-945-3871 at the Whittier Museum, 6755 Newland Avenue in Whittier, California. Alrighty guys, looks like that's all I have for you today in the Community Corkboard. So if you have anything you'd like us to feature in the Community Corkboard, tag us on Instagram, check out our Facebook at What's Up Whittier, or send us an email at whatsupwhittierpod at gmail.com. Also, if you like this podcast and think other Whittier Townies would like it, 
recommend it to them. If you have a friend who has never heard of Whittier because we are landlocked between freeways, I get it. I get it, guys. Um, you should just still recommend the show because you can listen to it on your way to Whittier and it'll be great. So we have a lot of exciting things coming up for the rest of the year. We love for the whole community to join us for these exciting moments. You guys were here with us when we first started. You were there with us when we were at Jesse's office. Traveled around with us when we go to different offices um, to record for the episodes. And now we found our home at 6709 Greenleaf Avenue at the Collab. Again, thank you so much to The Collab for letting us be here today. Check them out at thecollabinc.com. Check out their Facebook, The Collab Inc. Or check out their Instagram at the underscore collab underscore inc. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Take it away, Jesse and Remo. What's up, Whittier? What's up, Whittier? Dun, 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 dun. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Um, today, like every week, we have a special guest. Um, actually, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a special guest. Um, Very special guest. Mm-hmm. This week, we have Lizette Escobedo, who's uh, running for District 4 City Council. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Lizette, do you want to tell us a little bit about you and, and what you're running for? Sure. So I'm running for City Council District 4. Um, I'm running on a very simple one-point platform, which says listen, learn, and lead. So we've decided to go out into the community and ask people what their primary issues were um, to make sure that that's what we were moving forward. I think in Whittier, for far too long, we've had leaders that lead for us and not with us. So I'm ready to bring in transparency, accountability, and make sure that we're also planning for the future. We have a lot of youth here, very few youth programs. Um, and my, my background comes from actually put, uh, bringing communities together, building coalitions to solve very difficult issues like environmental justice, um, homelessness in South L.A., um, and uh, getting folks to participate in the civic process from making sure that folks are counted in their census to making sure that the community comes together and participates in the redistricting process. So I have a lot of experience in terms of bringing folks into um, the civic world and having them understand that their vote, their vote and their voice matters. And so I'm ready to bring everything that I've learned, the partnerships that I've built um, back home to the city that I love, Whittier. Awesome. And so talking about uh, what, what you did um, with these other groups, is that what you do as a, uh, for a living now? or? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm the public affairs director at SCAU 2015, which is the largest home care uh, workers union in the state and in the country. It's actually by default, the largest women's organization in the country. So we represent home care workers. Um, We represent uh, folks who don't have a work site and have to negotiate their salaries directly with the County Board of Supervisors in 36 counties throughout the state. So I've had the opportunity to represent some of the most vulnerable communities in our state. Um, and that's given me a, a whole other insight on the funding side, on, on appropriations through state funding, through county yeah. funding. Um, but it's been a very rewarding, rewarding career. When you say home care, uh, what does that mean? Like uh... these, so primarily who we represent are IHSS workers. So these are workers who um, take care of uh, those folks who are disabled or uh, mm. require senior care okay. and are within a certain income threshold, usually usually within the um, poverty income guideline. Mm. Um, so they take care of folks who uh, can't afford a nursing home, can't afford senior living, um, but need home care um, to make sure that they can uh, live day to day. So we represent 
the workers who work for the most vulnerable. Like a caregiver, essentially. Yeah. Basically. Okay. Uh-huh. Interesting. Um, so so where did you grow up, and, and what brought you over here? So uh, when my parents got here from Mexico, they moved to uh, a little a little city called Huntington Park in southeast L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I grew up through elementary school in Bell Gardens, California. Um, we were exposed to a lot of what you shouldn't do in municipal office, right? We were neighboring yes. to Bell. Um, so you, stu- you started understanding very young what that could do yeah. um, if you didn't elect the right leaders. Then we uh, moved to Pico Rivera. My parents bought a home. Um, unfortunately, they bought a home during the um, the mortgage crisis, mm-hmm. um, and we ended up losing it. So we didn't have anywhere to go. We were, in essence, homeless in my dad's van. Um, so we drove around. I remember my mom telling my dad, no, you shouldn't cross over to Whittier. We can't afford it, right, because we lost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a couple thousand dollars to figure out where we were going to live, um, and it was my senior year in high school. And uh, we went to some apartments off of Milton, mm-hmm. right here, a couple of streets down. Um, and the manager decided to give us a chance without doing a credit check. He just said, you know, and I remember calling him and I'm like, please, it's my senior year. Like, I want to graduate and have like a place to be living at. Um, He gave us a chance. And so we took that to heart in that Whittier gave my family a chance. Now all of my brothers are homeowners. Um, My my parents are homeowners. Um, I hopefully soon will be a homeowner. Um, And we all decided to call Whittier home when they took a chance on us. So we've been here ever since then, since I was a... Seventeen. Man, that's an interesting story. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually it's all like nice and flowers come out, and you hear the birds chirp, and and uh, you get the alternate story, which you know, it, it, you, you kind of made it sound not too bad. But but if you really sit down and think about it, I mean, there's I'm pretty sure there's some struggles there, mm-hmm. um, especially as a teenager, you know, and you connect that to the teenagers that are going through the same thing now, like. What do we offer, you know? And um, so, anyways, maybe I'm, I'm going off the wrong path here, but but um, those experiences, I always say those those types of experiences or experiences that we all kind of go through in life shape shape us, mold us to be able to be the person who we are now. Absolutely. And the decisions that we're making now are hopefully be able to kind of take care of some of those uh, life experiences that we went through. Yeah. So. And I you know, it's very, very relevant because it's 20% of, of our high school kids at Cal High are actually considered homeless. Really? Yeah. Wow. If you look at the reports, a lot of our uh, middle school and high school kids yeah. um, consider themselves being part of a homeless family. And our numbers in Whittier are um, unacceptably high. So, wow. you know, I can I can relate because I was my yeah, number. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. I mean, um, so w- w- how does how do they get that number? It's twenty percent are considered homeless, and what would be? Yes, it was about three hundred students. It's through a study that they did throughout uh-huh. all of the school districts. Um, I think, you know, Whittier was okay within all the other school districts in mm-hmm. the schools, but we're Whittier. Like you yeah, know, yeah. when you when when we canvass our folks in in District Four, you come across a lot of very compassionate families who are doing well and want to help, you know? And so I feel like in Whittier, it should be zero, you know, in yeah. Cal High and all our uh, middle schools. Yeah. So. No, and again, what I was getting at is that it's kind of like what you said, is that you could 
Now, when some of these issues come up before you, you know, you could easily relate and make a better decision in terms of what needs to happen for those specific reasons. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, that's that's where experience really counts. Um, let's see. So the next question is, uh, why are you running for city council? Um, well, I guess, uh, like you mentioned, in terms of your 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 past kind of shapes your future. I think having been exposed to municipal governments that don't work, that are self-serving for the most part, where you see your communities are struggling and yet your city council members are not. Um, I think in this case, what I started noticing is that, um, you know, for the most part, our city council has done a good job with the city. Everybody loves Whittier. I don't think I've encountered one voter that absolutely hates the city. I mean, we all love it here. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. But I think that we could be doing so much more with the talent that we have. We could be doing so much more if we had the representation. Whittier is is changing every day in terms of its demographics, 70% Latino, 54% millennials. I think we should do more to make sure that our our leadership is just as diverse as our community. And so um, when I realized that I could be doing more for my city and when I realized that a lot of the issues – I remember seeing a couple of um, a couple of issues, homelessness, for example, where I was like, "Wait a minute!" But working in nonprofit, you work with the philanthropic community, and they had some grants, and they were working with the city of Almani on figuring figuring out the homeless issue there. Um, and I was like, "Where's Whittier?" You know. And so when I started seeing all that, I I realized how valuable my experience could be to to my city. I've been here for 15 years. I've decided to raise my daughter here. So I thought, if not who, if not me, then who? If not now, then when? And when the opportunity came up to move from at-large um, elections to city council districts for representation, I said this is this is the time. Was there a, was there one turning point that you said, you know what, after you saw this or experienced that, that you said, hey, I'm going to run for council district? I would say it was a couple I think one of them was actually having encountered a lot of issues with public safety and my own. I live off of uh, off of Painter and Marvista, so it's kind of a widely, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of traffic there. And there was, you know, and there was various incidents. Um, it was like they were close down the street, and and I'm like, you know, Whittier is a pretty. It's known to be a pretty safe community, but once you move into those streets, it kind of, you know, and sometimes my house would be blocked off because maybe there is a homeless person, like, right next to my car, and so I couldn't get, like, the police mm-hmm. would tell me don't get out, etc. Um, You know, and then the other, the other um, kind of key moment for me was when I enrolled my daughter in the soccer program at the Whittier Community Center, and her first practice was, like, on the side of Parnell Park, and I was like, well, can we take this to a soccer field? And everyone was like, which one? We don't have any <laughs> yeah. you know? Sure, let's go to it. Yeah, and so um, I started kind of asking around and looking, and I thought, you know, our scenery is beautiful. We have trees everywhere, but what are we offering our youth, right? And so, and then when I started looking into what we were doing on the issue of homelessness, what, we're, what we were doing on the issues of public safety, I realized that a lot of the work that we're doing is around the symptoms of the problem and not actually talking about the root causes of the problem, right? So we don't have soccer fields. We have uh, a huge uh, kind of 
a void in youth programs, but then we have rising petty theft, and then we have rising homelessness. We don't have affordable housing. But so then you you start realizing, okay, you know, there's kind of a pattern here. And I think, but it was those moments that I wanted to kind of look into more and figure out, um, you know, what can my perspective provide? Yeah. So what do you think some of the biggest concerns? I know you said it's the one point plan. What have you heard back from the residents that you think is the biggest concern? So after knocking on about 1,400 doors, um, we're still doing it now, seven days a week. It's a lot of work. Um, some of the top issues have been, one, absolutely public safety, um, public safety concerns. Um, we definitely have a rise in um, in petty theft, in uh, property crime. Um, and I think one of the things that are some of the communities that we spoke to feel is that they don't have a kind of tighter relationship with our law enforcement um, and that even though we have neighborhood watch programs um, because they're they're for the most part not fully funded you don't have kind of this this uh, community space for them to come together um, so you know one is disconnect um, and the other is making sure that even our officers are well-resourced and that we're providing professional development opportunities to make sure that as we move into the 21st century where everything is on social media, are they prepared to kind of move into the 21st century with us? Um, and so some, those are some of the concerns. Every When you go into District 4, you start noticing that, like, every street is different. So some streets do have um, public safety issues that um, are a little bit more urgent, than others. Um, but overall, I think when you have a tight-knit relationship between law enforcement and community, you can prevent a lot of that. So I'd like to see that, um, I'd like to see that tighter. Um, and then I think second that has come up, and probably even before public safety, is transparency and accountability. Um, most of the folks we talked to um, didn't really know who sat on their city council. Um, and we targeted initially uh, a lot of folks who have voted in past elections. Um, other folks felt a huge disconnect. They knew they saw water rate hikes, they saw hikes in their in their trash, but they weren't quite understanding why. They saw Measure L not pass. They weren't quite understanding and how it all worked and why was it a bond and why not city funds. Um, and then the the biggest issue kind of connected to that is development. Um, so we have a development project going up off of Catalina crossing the street from East Whittier Middle School that um, a lot of District 4 residents spoke against, and they felt that they were not heard. And so um, for them, there is this sense of, like, some apathy of, like, well, then why go vote? If I went to these public hearings we told you guys. Um, so it's also explaining to them that that's what I would like to bring. I, I'm actually proposing a community outreach task force. Um, as a community organizer, you know that community outreach is a whole kind of system that you have to be intentional about, and there's different strategies to do it. Um, so when I talk to the community about that, they're very, they're very excited, but it's the transparency that's linked with not knowing, you know, where their public input went on Motel 6, on the Catalina, uh, the Catalina housing project. Um, so 
you know, development, but linked to transparency and accountability. Yeah. Speaking of Measure L, what do you think about the, the failure to pass Measure L? I think that it was unfortunate. Um, I think we also, when I say leaders with intention, I also feel that we need to have leadership that thinks through what would be the benefits of Measure L, right? Which was huge for our community. And that's the library that I take my daughter to. It's crossing the street from me, so we're always there. Um, and what can we do in terms of the civic process to get that passed to make sure that we can get it? So you can't, you had an election on an off year where your turnout, I mean, which I think overall we need to kind of, that's a bigger issue, um, which overall is dismal. So you kind of knew that, in, and you only had that on the ballot. So, you know, I think we should have had wider discussion of how can we set this up for success. But I think the way it was pushed forward, it was already kind of set up for failure. Um, and I think we, I think we still need to um, revisit. I think we need some significant upgrades in that library. Um, and so again, how do we work with the philanthropic community too to make sure that? Um, we're one of the cities that that are getting some that's getting some grant money for projects like this because it's necessary. Um, because I do feel like we're losing out by not being open minded and innovative um, on the way we seek funding. So it's like a two prong. Well, I was, that's what I was gonna say. I mean, you you brought up a good point about this whole measure out <clears throat> and why. <coughs> of course, I have to cough when I'm asking a question. <laughs> why? <coughs> Why is it that um, it wasn't coming out of the the city's budget or general fund, and why the residents needed to pay for this? Um, I don't know why, but but I think that's the first question that should be asked before any of this actually goes into voting. Because um, I mean, for me, it's it's mixed feelings about the about a library and how it should be uh, renovated. Well, who pays for it? It definitely should be, or I, at least I think it should be the city because that's what we pay for. Yeah, and we need to look at innovative funding sources. We really do need to do that. I think um, when you, I, you know, part of the work that I've done in working on different um, social justice issues is that you look at model cities to see how you kind of model your programs based on what others are doing throughout the country, throughout the state, and we're pretty much not a model city for anything if you look us up. So how do we become that model city by kind of looking beyond Whittier and looking at the possibilities for for grant money, the possibilities for working with state and federal government to get some of those funds? Um, Because right now we're, you know, we are spending a lot of money on consulting fees to have someone else develop a plan for a plan and all this stuff. And it's like, let's just work with philanthropy and let's really think outside of the box and can we get those funds not through uh, maybe a bond but through grant money it's out there you know and I used to do grant writing um, when I worked at uh, in an organization called Mi Familia Vota that's all I did and I brought in 1.4 million just through looking like who who had a 
who had uh, funds available for specific programs, and either you create the program if that's what the community needs, or if the program's already there, then you try to figure out how this you know funder in Colorado is going to fund that program. But there's ways. I mean, if one person can do 1.4 million just by grant writing, where there's a will, there's a way. Well, I say that if, if knock on wood, if you don't get elected, then they should at least hire you as a consultant to bring you in as a bring you in as fifty percent. So, so would you say that 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 based on your experience would qualify you to take on this district four uh, uh, city council position? I think that in making sure that. Um, that our leadership looks like the community and feels like the community and where the community is moving towards. And I also think that, um, you know, most of the projects that I've worked on, um, be it on worker equity or, um, you know, or economic justice, um, I've moved forward most of our innovative projects, which can mean many things. It's really just kind of letting your your mind expand a little bit um, and building a lot of relationships and coalitions. Um, and so I think that coupled, and many years of that, coupled with um, just my overall goodwill to make sure that I serve the people because I'm used to being the one on the other side of the mic on public hearings. So I understand what it takes to be from a community and then represent that community and have these these kind of vast experiences from being on the other side. And I think we need that. We need the people aspect in our municipal government. So it's the qualifications of many years. It's um, It's loving my community. And it's really wanting to make sure that the community's voices are central to every project that we do and that the community is shaping how our city is looking and not developers or outside interests with the understanding that we still have to look at how do we create um, economic engines in the city? How do we create business hubs? How do we help our small businesses through innovative funding programs? Um, and I feel like I bring all that. It's uh, a diversity of, of, uh, of kind of career background um, and just a love for my city. Well, that kind of answers that next question we have for you, which is why should the citizens uh, or residents vote for you over the next candidate? I think when you when you visit um, folks at their doors, they want something new. I don't think we've gotten any voter that has hasn't been excited about new leadership and innovative ideas. I think I think Whittier deserves it. I think it's about time. You know, it's been about 12 years of very kind of same leadership. Um, yeah, and I think it's time, and I do think that, that Whittier is ready from knocking on doors. And, you know, based on the experience that I've shared and and, um, and just wanting to make things better and more transparent and, and making our, our commissions transparent so that folks can actually review the commissioners' resumes on our website, um, things like that, I think are absolutely important and that's the type of transparency that I've always asked for in leaders so I've decided to be that transparent leader so what would you do to I mean district four I think you have a pretty good range in terms of um, you know demographics uh, right Um, but also talk about residential commercial and businesses in that area what would you do uh, for the business side of things Um, what would you do to encourage more encourage more business 
I think that we definitely need to start looking at how we help um, our small businesses thrive. I think that it's great that we're bringing in more business, and I think that's that's definitely you know I've 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 enjoyed a lot of the businesses on Whittier Boulevard, and I think that's great. But at the same time, I fear for the displacement of our small businesses in the area. Um, and what are we doing to help them? Um, I actually was one of the um, youngest directors for the Women's, Small, uh, Women's Business Center through the Small Business Administration. And I used to have to work day to day from like uh, helping them on their business plan, their marketing plan, and then getting them like microfinancing, which was super tough. Um, so I understood some challenges of like, you know, this week I'm going to have to borrow from my son to stay afloat and next week, but then everybody loves that business, but that city, you know, or that county, um, at least where I helped some of the businesses didn't really have any programs that we can look, look into. So we had to work through the federal government. Um, and so I would actually like to see some more, um, small business development programs to make sure that we're helping our businesses here in Uptown to increase traffic to Uptown and make sure that, um, you know that they're they're bringing in the customers they need to to thrive yeah. um you know and at the same time when we're bringing businesses again looking at how we can be innovative with that can we create um can we create business hubs in different areas or technology centers in different areas i think Whittier is right for that right now but we really have to think outside of the box of yes residential and commercial is is okay but what else what else? Let's think outside of the box and bring that in and help our small businesses thrive, definitely. Well, that leads us to the next question. If, if there was something in Woodyear that, uh, that you feel is missing that you would like to see here, what would it, what would it be? Um, I think, one, bringing in the community more to, to, the, to the leadership process and to the government space. Um, and being intentional about a community outreach, uh, a community outreach program. So I want to bring in a community outreach task force that's comprised of community members from community leaders from different viewpoints, different areas, et cetera. I'd also like to see uh, some type of investments commission um, to see how the city is investing. Are we investing in a smart way? Are we getting a, a good return on investments? Um, I know right now we have a consultant that helps us with our investment. But we have so much talent and so much knowledge in our city that I feel like we should start looking at community members that can participate in, a, in some type of commission. Um, and then we really need to look at youth engagement strategies from increasing green spaces, meaning at least one soccer field. I yeah. got to get at least <laughs> one soccer field um, to making sure that um, the programs that we do have in our city that we're being as helpful as possible. And then what else are we not looking at that can you know, that can um, that can help us out in terms of youth development. Um, I know a lot of folks have said this, but I think that education and youth engagement is the best crime prevention program that you can have for the future. So what are we doing to create a, a pipeline of excellence in our youth? Yeah. So I'd want to see more, more youth programs and us being more helpful towards them. That's a great quote. Uh, uh, a pipeline of excellence. Yes. For the youth. <laughs> Just that <laughs> Write that down. I know, right? Um, so, so talking about some Woody here and ask you some of your favorites or your go-to places. Um, when you're around, when you're not obviously walking all the the homes, uh, where where are your favorite restaurants or some of the places that you go to? As far as where do you frequent? 
I feel like I'm always <laughs> I'm always like in Uptown. Um, Uptown, <gasps> I feel it's like the heart of our city in many ways. Um, I love Crips and Grapes, like the the oatmeal uh, the oatmeal with granola there, man. Mm-hmm. Like it it's it's it, it hits the spot for me. Um, I also like uh, Bizarra Capital. Every time that I have folks, so I'm one of those people who are, who's always, uh, every time I have, like, uh, some colleagues come or people from out of town, mm-hmm. I I don't even really take them to, like, outside of Whittier, which mm-hmm. I don't know if they like me or hate me for that, but mm-hmm. either way. Um, I take them to Bizarra Capital because... That, that place doesn't disappoint. Yeah, it's, it's just so good. Um, so I'm I'm... I'm constantly there, and folks will see me, like, constantly walking through, like, the uptown <coughs> area. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like we have so much to offer. And every time anyone says, hey, where should we go? I'm like, let's go to uptown. And everyone's like, really? Again? Yes. Mm-hmm. Again. There's so much to do. <laughs> so maybe we should ask, where haven't you gone? What haven't you tried? In Whittier? I feel like every time I see something come up, I really want to go to, um, what is it called, the Burger Hub? But they just, oh, the, the Grub, Grub Burger, Grub sorry. Burger. It's right oh, next to the here? Starbucks. They just opened it. It looks yeah. super cool. It looks well, really wait, neat. No. I mean, when, you, when you drive by, you can see the bar. and I mean, it looks really neat. Yeah. So Chris, I, knew, I knew it, Christine. You, what did you have yeah. there? I went, sorry, I'm <laughs> hogging your mic, Lizette. I went with my dad this weekend. We both really enjoyed it. Um, my dad got the mush- the Voodoo Burger. He was really into it. And I got, like, the guacamole burger. So they're really good. It's really filling. Um I hear they're big burgers. Yeah, they're huge. Kind of like how Vodka Burger is like a big burger. Yeah. So you would like split fries with somebody. Definitely. Yeah. Dad and I split the onion rings. So it was really good. Now I know where Rumo's going to take me after. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I, I got a little in my feelings about the fact that it opened while we, ha- we have all this canvassing going on. And I've been telling uh, yeah. like all the <laughs> volunteers, we're going to go your, there. We're going to go there. Maybe that's where you move your headquarters. I, I mean, know, right? right? I'm sure they'll <laughs> be open to it. I'm very sure they'll be open to it. Yeah, but that's a that's a place that I've heard nothing but good things about, and I really want to go. Yeah. That's awesome. It's yeah. actually part of our canvassing, so I'm sure I can yeah. kind of make my way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Christine knows all the districts by heart. <laughs> Awesome. And how can people connect with you um, for your campaign? And they, I have a website. It's uh, LizetteForWittier.org. Um, they can also visit me on Facebook, which is Facebook.com forward slash LizetteForWittier. Um, and Lizette is spelled L-I-Z-E-T-T-E. That's okay. double T. Um, and if folks want to, um, I directly answer all of the messages. If folks send me a message on um, Facebook, it's been really cool because a lot of voters, when they when we miss them, we leave them. I leave them like a little note with my walk piece. And a lot of voters, like it's it's been really cool to see how engaged they are because they'll message me and they're like, hey, sorry, I missed you. I'd love to chat with you. And so I've been having um, coffee Fridays every Friday. And those folks who reach out or who... Um, talk to one of our volunteers but want to get to know me, then they can usually come to one of the Coffee Fridays. And then I, I, it's like office hours, so I'm yeah. just I'm there for two hours. Folks can come in, ask me questions. Um, it's all about uh, making sure that folks have that access and availability. So. Where is it, when is the next one, and where is it normally held? Um, this, this Friday, um, we are looking to have it at the, the Starbucks right next to... Um, 
Grubhub. Grubhub. <laughs> is it? I call yeah. it Grubhub. Is it Grub? Not Grubhub. No, Grubhub. Grubhub is an yeah. app. <laughs> yeah. My bad. Yeah. So the the Starbucks right next to that one, which is kind of in our district, and I usually hang out there for about like two hours. We're going to be there from twelve to two. Um, I hang out there, and voters come in, ask me questions, talk to me. Um, some folks, some voters just come by to say hi, which is cool too. Um, but yeah, I'll be available there. And if not, they can see when the next one's going to be on my Facebook. We post all of those as events. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I got one last question. Maybe we, we should start asking this to everybody. Is what, Why do you, everybody, everybody we've, we've interviewed so far has said, that, you know, uh, there's always like a low, uh, low water turnout. Doing your canvassing, why, why do you think that is? Um, it's many reasons. And this is, uh, this is like... It's, this issue is so near and dear to my heart just as an FI so if you need to cut me as I'm talking I totally get it <laughs> um, I worked at Naleo for five years um, so I used to handle all of our Yes Hora Ciudadanía Yes Hora Vota, um, and we used to focus on uh, low propensity voters right so these are folks who are so low propensity voters are actually a kind of a neat universe of voters because these are voters which are many of our friends and sometimes um you know, many in our community who will turn out for like general elections for presidential because it's all over TV and, you know, it's in November, um, but won't turn out to any midterm elections, like any congressional elections, anything that's not in November. Um, and they generally generally won't turn out for any municipal elections because there's just not that much out there, that much yeah. noise. Um, and so most folks think, well, you don't really get a good bang for your buck if you go and reach out to them because they might not turn out, they might forget, et cetera. Um, we're targeting a couple of low propensity uh, voter universes because I truly believe that for, and low propensity voters are a lot of like your millennials, um, a lot of your younger voters, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and I believe that without invitation, the community won't come. And so we're targeting a couple of low propensity uh, universes because we want to make sure that um, that we still believe in like that democratic process and of invitation. Um, But, you know, one of the issues that we've had, um, for example, here is that we wanted to have elections during November because everyone knows that if there's an election, it's going to happen in November. So at the very least, people can connect November to an election time. Right. Um, the the city decided uh, not to go that route previously. They just decided yes, but it's not until 2020. Correct. Um, so by default, you decrease turnout completely because who knows that there's an election in April yeah. unless yeah. you go and knock at the doors. Um, so and and we also need to have a dedicated funding and a dedicated program for voter outreach that goes beyond like having a flyer at like the city clerk's office. Which yeah. How many? Nobody goes. Go yeah. So we need to be intentional about voter outreach programs. We need to be intentional about um, consolidating elections to make sure that they're in the November times and that we consolidate them with the county where they're already going to go f- to vote for something on the ballot, like the governorship, um, like the president. Um, we need to do better. Um, some some cities uh, thrive on low voter turnout because usually those who turn out at a higher rate will be folks who favor a specific um, set leadership. So I think we have to do better to encourage more folks, and we really have to do something to encourage low propensity voters to turn out. And that's, I mean, in in those areas, the municipal elections, that's where you have the biggest impact to someone. I mean, 
the president. Not well, it affects it affects, affects you, you more directly. directly. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Like if you don't, you know, like for me, if I don't have a, a soccer field to take my daughter to, I'm not gonna call my member of Congress. Which I, you know, I having worked for a member of Congress, you get those calls. Yeah. And what you say is like, well, you need to talk to your city, right? Or you get calls about, you know, fee hikes or um, just about how the, the city is doing business with, um, with like a waste management company. And they don't think it's right. It's like, well, that's all in your city and who mm-hmm. you elected and who's, who's doing, uh, who has oversight, right? Um, so, yeah, what happens in the city probably has the most direct impact, including impact to your pocketbook than any office but you know we need to make that clear i reached out to trump and told him what's up with my uh, trash hike (laughs) did he tweet back (laughs) i gotta say this since we're talking about trump so my kid my kid's seven years old well now he's seven but um he's into baseball cards and um you know he has he gathers you know his little piggy bank and and he got enough to be able to want to buy some cards and so his dad can you take me go buy some cards we go to target you know, he had like 10 bucks, right? Exact 10 bucks. And so he started doing the math, like how many packs he could get. You know, each pack was whatever, two, three bucks. And, and at the end of the day, he was only able to get, you know, three or four packs. And so uh, we go to the cashier. Cashier rings it up. It's $10 or eleven ninety five or something like that, right? And he goes, what? He goes, it's ten- it was $10. I did a math. And he starts doing his math again, yeah? He goes, it's ten dollars. He goes, uh, no, uh, it's plus tax. He goes, plus tax. Oh, that Trump! I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Is it him because of my tax? Like, he has no clue of like you know how this whole system works. But I, I'm glad that he was able to relate taxes with Trump. <laughs> and it's funny. Me and the cashier were just busting out. We're like, did like, you cover it? Or did yeah, you say, yeah, re- no, ah, well, <laughs> return one well, pack? No, actually, I told Michael, look, you either, you either return one pack or, you know, you got to modify it so you could you know, get it under the 10 bucks. But anyways, it was, I thought it was just funny. It was like, man, yeah. I, like, a seven-year-old kid understands, you know. And you'd be amazed it's not just a seven-year-old. Like, yeah. people, I think we... We as leaders in our communities need to do better to educate our communities on the levels of government and on how, like, I remember we were trying to get parents to participate in the LEUSD redistricting process, right? And they were like, oh, pero para qué, you know? And so when we started explaining to them of how, like, you know, things got distributed by district and all this stuff. And they're like, oh, like including resources. And, you know, what if this, so they, we would give them scenarios, like if this happened and this is how you would get the funding and blah, blah, blah. Um, and we had to, we did a six week long training on how to um, identify your communities of interest within redistricting, how to go to a public hearing and provide a comment. Um, you know, and we said you could do it in Spanish too. Most of the cities are required um, by by the Voting Rights Act to have um, folks that could speak Spanish. Um, and they participated in it, but it was a six-week course. And they understood like, oh, it isn't that the government maybe has, you know, the federal government has maybe forgotten our community. It's just that the way the districts were drawn, we were kind of forgotten because we weren't um, invited to participate in the redistricting process, you know. So the way that things are set up, it's not to be as inclusive as it should be. And so that's why I think that um, that should also be part of the community outreach task force work on, like, how do local governments work and how do we bring in more people because it's a – it's a huge issue, and we need more people involved. No, of course. I mean, even just the language barrier. Yeah. You know? 
So now you give me a good idea. Next time, Christine, we go to city council. Puro Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look at you. Josue might respond. Yeah. What? What do you say? Hey, if I'm there, I'll respond. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Lizette, thank you for coming on. Um, uh, you know, we wish you the best. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, I mean, District 4 is, I think, like you said, it's a good range. So mm-hmm. it, you'll definitely represent a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, yeah, I mean, again, wish you the best. Hopefully, you get on there. Thank you, thank you, and don't forget, election day is April tenth for everyone listening. Yeah. Yes, very, yes. very important. Polls close till eight p.m. There you <laughs> go. And of course, all the, your info would be on our show notes. So if people want to be able to follow you, they can. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and if not, they could get a hold of Christine, and Christine will forward the message. Awesome. <laughs> thank awesome. you again. Thank you, thank you everyone. Thank See you, you later, Whittier. Me.